Welcome to the Holding Hands and Throwing Fists podcast. I got the mic. And I have the opinions. Welcome to season eight, episode three. Keeping going with the deep dives. Oh, yeah. So this was a special week because there was no UFC and there was Bellator, but there was nothing else. And it was pretty chill. And I think the MMA media and MMA community was kind of freaking out, but not us, because season eight, we're doing deep dives. Oh, yeah. I definitely <laughs> didn't have trouble at all coming up with what I wanted to talk about. Definitely not. And didn't, I definitely didn't have a great idea that I bailed on and didn't really write notes on, but kind of started notes on, but then waited for you to put more notes on it, and I kind of <laughs> did it after today. <laughs> Why is everything so dang hard? It's just freaking, it's like, well, it's actually later than I thought. I thought it was like five o'clock, but we're recording this. It's like super dark. This is... Pitiful. Chile and life as we know it is just over. So let's just let's just get right into the podcast. Sheesh. Huh? Talk about two Debbie Downers. <laughs> no, no, there's all good oh, things. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at your topic. Excellent. So my deep dive of the week is a little rundown of the UFC and MMA community since the pandemic, right? Because I recently find my found myself cleaning our apartment, shocking, <laughs> and somehow caught myself listening to podcasts from the early part of the pandemic. Specifically, there's this author named Patrick Wyman who wrote a book called The Verge that's about like the enlightenment and how 40 years shaped the entire freaking uh, 500 years since then and it's on my books uh, that I really want to read list so he used to cover MMA for Deadspin and other online sites and was interviewed by Luke Thomas and Esther and Casey separately in March 2020 so somehow these things came up while I was cleaning the house and I was like holy crap there has been there's there's been no sport that's been affected as positively Right. As the freaking pandemic. And it as the UFC because of the pandemic. Specifically the UFC, yeah. So, looking back, it's been such a whirlwind and it's a pretty crazy story. The too long didn't read is that during a global pandemic, the UFC didn't give one fuck about trying to slow down. <laughs> it pushed the envelope and made a ton of money off of it. In some ways, it's inspiring, but for the most part, it's like, holy fuck. UFC 248 was March 7th, 2020. Benil Dariush had that super famous viral uh, video knockout of Drakkar Close, and that's the one where um, your boys Rogan, DC, and John Anik are all like holding each other. It's because oh, of that knockout. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was... Why did I think that was a Rose fight for some reason? No, it was definitely Benil Dariush. Okay. So that was UFC 248. On that same card, Neil Magny beat Lee Jingliang via decision. Wiley versus Ioana won happen and Israel versus Yoel Romero uh, snooze fest happened but it was big memorable fights uh, I believe the following week yeah was UFC 170 Brasilia March 14th 2020 Charles Oliveira submitted Kevin Lee it seems the entire world was against that card happening but in a reverse TBS move <laughs> the UFC got away with it because it was in Brazil Think about it. Friday the 13th, 2020, New York City completely shut down. The next day, we were sitting at home watching live fights. Wild. Super wild. 
after Brasilia, the UFC did in fact shut down for a few weeks, but they were back for UFC 249 as early as May 9th, 2020. The MMA gods had Tony Khabib canceled for the final time to be replaced by Tony versus Justin Gaethje. And that was a crazy card. Crazy card. Holy shit. I actually wanted to pull it up to actually read you some of the fights that happened on that. It seems like so long ago. I don't remember any of this. Let's go through early early prelims. Bryce Mitchell beat Charles Rosa and Ryan Spann beat uh, Smile and Sam Sam Alvey. Then in the prelims, Carla Esparza beat Michelle Waterson. Uh, Alexi Olenek beat Fabricio Verdum. And Anthony Pettis beat Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Then in the main card, freaking Greg Hardy fought, whatever. <laughs> Gloss over that. Calvin Cater knocked out Jeremy Stevens. Francis Ngannou knocked out Jarzino, Jarzino Rosenstrike. Henry Cejudo kind of knocked out Dominic Cruz because of freaking no-nonsense uh, Keith <laughs> Peterson. And uh, Justin Gaethje famously beat the fuck out of Tony Ferguson in that fight. That was the, f- the first fight back. That's what a fucking pay-per-view card should be. Yeah. Jesus Christ. A once in a pandemic. Freaking. Yeah, if that's what has to happen for a good card. Yeah. No, JK, but that was a good card. So the UFC comes back, no big deal. Wrong. They came back with three events in less than a week and at least four in less than a month. May 9th, May 13th, May 16th, May 30th, all six months before the first COVID vaccines went out. Friends and listeners, this all goes back to season two, episode F for fight of the year. How crazy is it that we've been around as a podcast for that long? Lift my jaw up from the floor. Really? We're on season eight. This was season two. Wow. <laughs> and we don't and we don't jip you. Let me tell you that. We don't jip you with the episode count per season. <laughs> Never. I went back and I actually listened to, to it. Uh, we sounded good. We sounded young and in love with podcasting were we in the closet then uh i think so the audio was definitely not as good as it is now but uh, our enthusiasm was just through the roof good (laughs) good thing you have the mics the downstream effects are just like how many more people got into watching ufc and mma in general during this time when it was only live sports entertainment going on in the entire Mm -hmm. world we love going full circle here at the holding hands and during fist podcast so in the one weekend where there was no ufc and what we feel like is forever we had to call out how far we've come from those days i love this idea so I think my deep dive actually turned out to be pretty all right. It was really, really interesting. It's so, we just move on so quickly. The world moves on from everything so, so fast. You forget how sports were shut down. Do sports, man. So that's why like on looking back on everything, it's easy. And I think it's right to say like they were being inappropriate and nonchalant and you know, not really caring about anything. But when you look back, like, did anyone get really sick from it? Like, I, I don't think so. There's, we haven't heard of anything. And also, they kind of helped to establish protocols for other sports, like when right. the, when the NBA did come back with the bubble first and just testing in general. So I don't want to say it's justified, but you can kind of see how the argument kind of makes sense that it wasn't the worst thing for them to come back so fast. And it definitely financially reaped reap the rewards of it. For sure. As did the fighters. They got paid then, um, even yeah. though or- other organizations did pay their fighters when fights could not be happening. Yeah. And then you think, you know, after coming back Bellator, PFL would be able to kind of 
get back some of their market share. Nope. Wrong. <laughs> I'm not even trying to do it. So George knew what he wanted to speak about. I just had no fucking idea. I was not inspired by anything. I truly did not know what to do. But then thankfully, I was off work on Tuesday mm-hmm. and I got to wake up, do my morning routine, work out, sit down to do notes and hope something would come to me. Visited by the muse. And something did come to me. So I wanted to give a little bit of history as well for UFC's journey to having female fighters. What do you you think? I think think Melissa's actually going to be quite intrigued. I think so too. I mean, I certainly always learn stuff myself when I do a little bit of a deep dive. Yeah. But um, it's it's nice to hear the history in a succinct way, and so, not have to like seek it out yourself. Right? So get fucking to it, babe. So as is the case with what we seem to be doing this season, we need to start with a quick rewind to add context to the story I want to tell. In January 2011. Just a little over 10 years ago, Dana White was asked when the audience would see female fighters in the UFC, and his very clear response was, never, (laughs) to be followed up by, never. He made it really clear. He said it twice? He said it twice. Two years later, on February 23rd, 2013... The UFC had the first female fight where Ronda Rousey beat Liz Carmouche. The same year, The Ultimate Fighter also had its first female season with Juliana Pena winning. And you remember Juliana Pena? Of course, she's still fighting. 2013 wasn't that long ago. But recently, she beat Amanda Nunes last December to win the bantamweight title. And then Nooney beat her at the end of the July at the end of July to get her belt back. She did beat her back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So in 2013 was when we had the first female fight in the UFC. Um, You can't have the first female fight without female fighters and you can't have female fighters without some experience. So quick shout out to Invicta, an exclusively female MMA organization who gave home to all the female fighters before other organizations opened their fucking eyes. So Invicta is where Dana White found the 11 fighters he signed for the UFC when he decided to have the female divisions. Uh, quick side note, since we're talking about Invicta, they w- were, of course, and I think still are uh, an exclusively female organization, but they had Elias Theodoro, who just recently passed away, be the ring uh, boy or ring man. <laughs> uh, and that was an extra special little moment that they had too. So shout out to Elias Theodoro. Yes, um, I love that. So, since the introduction of women to the UFC in 2013, interest and talent has really grown. So, I don't get too boring or long-winded. Currently, there are 254 registered female fighters across the four weight classes. Obviously, we know this number is inflated. So many fighters get signed for a one-fight deal, um, especially when they go to locations where they just need to fill up the card all good, whatever. Um, I could go back and highlight when the female fighters got to headline a card or maybe some amazing champions from the past or even present, ahem, Valentina, ahem. 
Instead, I'd like to give you three female fights that you should watch and you should recommend to other people to watch if they're interested in getting into the sport. Um, but I didn't really know where to start, so I, I've narrowed my list down to two, and then I, I'm going to ask George to give you one as well. So um, when I share these fights, yes, I w- would appreciate if you went to go watch them if you haven't seen them before, or even if you have. But I know George says it a lot. He'll always he'll often be like, oh, that was one of the best fights. Oh, that was such a great fight, like that Carlos Condit fight, mm-hmm, right? Like mm-hmm. these are fights that o- often come up, not just for George, but like anyone in MMA media but I never hear them mention a women's fight but now they will because I'm going to tell them which women's fight to mention let's go so I'm going to start with an old classic from 2015 that I don't even think I've seen but you know whatever no but I had to have definitely seen it yeah you've definitely seen (laughs) Um, it it's been a hot min so from 2015 everyone should watch Holly Holm versus Ronda Rousey for true a fight you have heard us talk about from 2020, so you definitely heard us speak about it on Holding Hands and Throwing Fists, is Joanna Jonjacek versus Zhang Wei Li. Definitely a fight you have to see, even though I feel like most of you probably have seen it and or saw Joanna's face after. Holy shit, that was an all-time MMA boo-boo. All-time MMA boo-boo. But I did not know which to pick for my third option. So what do you think, babe? What should our friends definitely watch? So I'm definitely not going to give you what you want. First, I'm going to give you comments about Honda Holm. (laughs) (laughs) She's like the Brazilian (laughs) (laughs) Holly. Um, No, I just had the flashback. I always remember uh, when Ronda was fighting Holly, we had something to do and uh, we were still living in 3R, so I was looking for parking with Pearl and I was going to run to Harp. I was like, babe, I think I'm just going to pay the cover because I want to go watch it and I didn't get parking in time and then I just went and and as I was walking into Harp, um, everybody was already like, you could tell the fight was already over. People were like outside smoking cigarettes and they had opened up the windows and I could see the highlight uh. from outside <laughs> of Harp. So I always remember that and it was always a special moment. Um, and then it's really funny that we did our notes separately and kind of just glanced at each other's. But episode 2F for fight of the year was us talking about this fight, Joanna uh, Yonjajic yeah, versus Zhang Wiley. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. So another little full circle moment, which is freaking fantastic. Um, but an underrated beatdown of the worst kind is watching, and I, I don't think you've really seen this. I it, don't really. know. Nuni beat Ronda Rousey. So after Ronda lost to Holly... Nuni beat the fuck out of her and it's really <laughs> really bad but I do recommend watching it it's kind of fucked up because I'm not the biggest Ronda fan and people really do talk about how important she was and it's such a groundbreaker and stuff but like I just don't really like her I'm not a fan of her mm-hmm. necessarily but the two 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 of the biggest women's fights of all time include her and it's both for losing I guess um, but what else and then the other thing uh I would say my favorite women's fight is Joanna versus Rose 2, which we saw live in the Barclays Center. We watched the first one live at MSG. And we watched Joanna versus Rose 2 live at the Barclays Center, and it was definitely women's MMA at the highest, most technical level, and it went the full five rounds. So that's a beautiful thing. That is beautiful. So the, only, the thing that made me even decide upon this as a topic is because this weekend and next weekend, we see two back-to-back 
UFC cards that are headlined by female fighters. I didn't know that. This Saturday, we have Mackenzie Dern versus Yan Zhao Nan. And next Saturday is uh, Alexa Grasso versus Vivian Arujo. So, you know, I, th- I think they could be stronger cards. Um, but also... They don't need to be stronger cards. That's just awesome that the UFC is giving these fighters, specifically female fighters, um, the ability to headline. So three weekends with no UFC, huh? You fucking suck. (laughs) That's racist. (laughs) Just kidding. You know we're going to be watching. Um, You can cut that out, too. Also, side note before I let this topic go, while it is great that the UFC and other fighting organizations that did start with just male fighters have realized that female fighters should also be part of their organization. When you Google UFC female fighters, the first two hits that come up right away are first, um, the list of the hottest female MMA fighters. And then the second hit is 30 beautiful UFC fighters. So fuck you, Google. I I definitely want to figure out who the hottest male MMA fighters are. You know what, babe? This is going to encourage me to maybe use one of my segments this season to create the hottest male MMA fighters. Ooh. We'll okay. see. I'm, I'm, my mind's a spinning. You could probably list more than I can. Oh, for sure. For sure. Without question. Um, but... If I ever hit a week where I don't know what to talk about, you best believe that list will be compiled. All right. So this week we have no real rundown um, with our classics because there was just so little going on in MMA world. However, we did want to share that, babe. All right, babe. Finally, fucking finally, the day I was doing these notes, it wasn't even announced. But now it is. PFL finally announced the date and location for the million dollar finals. November 25th, Thanksgiving weekend at Hulu Theater. What? It's going to be in New York? Let's do this. Let's do it. I didn't know that. We could get tickets for 75 bucks. They're pretty decent tickets. Where? In the twos? In the 200s, yes. You oh, can't even get cool. tickets in the hun- 100s where we were last time. Damn. Um, so I think me and you are definitely going to do this. We'll see if any friends and listeners want to come Do they have along. any aisle seats available? That's that's. Uh, you're not going to catch me anywhere unless I'm, I get there an There are a seat. shit ton of aisle seats right, available. Guys, hit us up. We're going to actually fucking do it this time. This we're fucking doing. Thanksgiving weekend, man. That's fun. That's soups fun. Um... Yeah, I guess there's a Twitter account in the rundown, too, that's basically, uh, there's a Twitter account that just announces when people get cut from the UFC. That's smart. Yeah, and they announced that Aspen Ladd got released from the UFC, and we were kind of fans, you know, but, like, she's just literally fucked up her job of making weight so many times, and I'm sure she has reasons, and I'm sure there's issues there, but get the fuck out of here, Aspen Ladd. Sayonara. I'm sure... Bellator PFL scooper on up, right? Yeah, maybe. Maybe not. Who knows? Maybe not. Anything else, babe? No. This episode was brought to you by Bella and G. Happy birthday to the best moms anyone could ask for. Love you.